Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have uh, Dr. Myra Cohen-Zion. She's a PhD in clinical psychology. She's the chief science officer at DAYZ, D-A-Y-Z-Z, and the website is D-A-Y-Z-Z.com. And we're going to be talking about sleep, um, but we're not going to put people to sleep. It'll be really interesting. So, uh, Myra, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good. If I've uh, slept well, I'm good. If I haven't, then the whole day is difficult. So, uh, what we're talking about is super important, and it affects, I would, I don't know, I would bet like a billion people, at least if you average it out on a daily basis, maybe more. Who knows? What do you think? I think sleep pretty much affects everyone. Whether you sleep well or you sleep poorly, we all need sleep to, first of all, to survive. Human beings need sleep, but also almost for every daily function um, from uh, our health to our mind to our performance, uh, you know, it's a requirement. What if, you know, there's seven and a half billion people in the world? What's your estimate if if um, people have a bad night's sleep on average, you know, I don't know, let's say once a week, that means, you know, over a billion people have sleep problems if you look at it, you know, every night. But what is, do you know the numbers? Do you know, like, what percentage of people on average have uh, problems with their sleep and how often? Well, it's, the ranges vary. They also vary by country. And we can separate it by people who suffer from sleep loss. So they don't actually have a sleep problem. They're just not getting enough sleep, often because, you know, our daily lives tend to be very intense. Uh, and unfortunately, sleep often loses out um, in relation to other things like home and family and work and other um, extracurricular activities. So as far as sleep deprivation, it's considered today an epidemic. Um, you know, numbers range uh, over, depending on the country, again, uh, over 60-70% of people regularly don't get enough sleep. Um, there's also clear um, numbers showing that these losses are across the age spectrum, from the youngest children to the older adults. Uh, everyone is suffering with probably the most um, at-risk population being teens and young adults who seem to be getting the least amount of sleep for all the age in relation to their needs, so in relation to their sleep needs. Um, you know, how, much, how much sleep do people need if you can start with a young age group, you know, um, zero to X and then X to Y? How much sleep do people need at various ages? Sure. So, you know, infants uh, that just come into this world can range to upwards of 17 to 20 hours uh, of sleep uh, every every day, so every 24-hour day. Um, there is a range. It's not always exactly the same for every infant, but, of course, uh, the range is very high. It's like 18, 20, 21 hours. As we age and across childhood, sleeping is. So it'll, it can go down, um, you know, by the time they're three or four to, to about 12 hours a night. Uh, by the time they're teenagers, it's in the range of nine hours a night. That's still a lot. I mean, most teenagers are not getting nine hours a night, if you think about it. 
Um, by the time we're, we're adults, okay, so uh, or young adults, probably get to more our basal needs. So that's what we each individually need. And there's probably a range somewhere between um, six and a half to eight hours is probably the average need. Uh, but of course, there's also people uh, on the spectrum that are more extreme. We call them short sleepers or long sleepers who may need more like five or 10 hours of sleep respectively. I always say to people, rather than focusing on this kind of you know golden number that everybody tries to locate, figure out what is that number. I always think you want to kind of more aware of your So how many hours does, do I need to really wake up, feel refreshed in the morning, being able to concentrate, be in a good mood most of the day? That is the, that number that we should be um, trying to understand for ourselves. Yeah, it makes sense. I know everyone claims to be able to, they're, they're proud when they can say, oh, I only get four hours of sleep a night, which is, is sad, you know, for instance. And I know people need, uh, I guess, a safe average for adults is, what, seven to nine? Exactly. So I would start at a good seven and a half and then check if that's a little over or a little under. But that badge of honor we wear because we can survive on four hours. First of all, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to just survive. I want to live well. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel energized. I want to be in a good mood. I want to be able to focus on my work. Um, this kind of I don't need phenomenon that we've seen in the modern world in the last several decades. Um, first of all, it's um, I think not conducive to, a, to a, a healthy lifestyle, but we've also seen that this kind of sleep deprivation um, uh, tendency has been correlated with mul in multiple studies, international studies, with significant health problems from, uh, you know, metabolic disorders, uh, diabetes and high blood pressure, to um, obesity, to even severe conditions like uh, cancer and other health conditions. So it's not just about feeling well, which I think is very important on a daily basis, but it really is the foundation of our health. And it's kind of quiet. You know, nobody really notices how much we sleep. Human beings can um, for the, for some part, not completely, but really cut down on sleep and force to wake a lot of their day, but they do not see the negative consequences of that. Um, sometimes people will say to me, you know, I didn't sleep well a few days and I caught a virus, and I'm like, that's true. Uh, there's been even studies that show that, that people who sleep less are much more susceptible to the common cold. Um, so it's anywhere from that to chronic sleep loss being able to affect really much more significant health factors, uh, in my eyes, is a real risk, real shame. So. All right. Well, w one more question, then I want to, you know, get into days itself. What about um, larks versus night owls? Have you seen any literature that talks about the health effects of being one or the other? You know, let's say I go to bed at like 10 o'clock at night, I get up at 6, versus someone else that goes to bed at like 3 a.m. and gets up at 11 a.m. or something. They both get enough hours of sleep, let's say, but they just sleep different times. Exactly. So, right. So we have the, the large, which are kind of morning people. They tend to go to bed earlier because they're sleepy earlier, and then they wake up earlier. And, and the night owls that are more night people, and they feel sleepy later in the day. And then, of course, complementary.
that, they wake up later. And you're right. As long as they each get their needed amount of hours, let's just say eight hours, if each person, whether they're a morning or a night person, gets their eight hours based on their own internal schedule, right? So the, the large may sleep from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. and the night owl from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. But they're both getting their needed amount. They're perfectly healthy. So when you get sleep, or ideal sleep is in, um, is, is, um, let me say it otherwise. When you uh, get your sleep, it's ideal to get it based on your natural circadian rhythm or natural 24-hour rhythm. So it is the right way to do it, and they're both healthy. The problem is, and the problem is actually worse for the night owls than it is for the large, and that is that our modern world is really more tailored for the morning person. Uh, kids go to school early, so we have to get them going. Work often, you know, starts shortly around that time, too. Um, and then uh, ends in the early or late afternoon, and then we have the evening and time to go to bed. And you can get in, you know, seven or eight hour cycle before you have to wake up again early in the morning to get it all going. So for large, that actually fits pretty, pretty nicely. But for the um, night owls, that's pretty tough for some of them physiologically can't fall asleep before 1 or, or 2 a.m., for some people even later, and they're still required to get up on time, whether it be for, for school, many teens are night owls, uh, that's a common developmental process they go through, and, um, but then what happens is they can't sleep in on their morning hours, their morning hours, and they continue until 9 or 10 a.m., so they are probably a more sleep-deprived population which is a real shame again. Um, so even though they're both healthy, the, the night owls tend to suffer from more sleep deprivation than the lark. Yeah, I have, uh, actually one more question in this regard, as you're a scientist of, of sleep. You know how um, people will say, oh, cortisol peaks at 4 a.m. and this hormone peaks at these times and, you know, et cetera. Does that change if someone sleeps at different hours or is it still the same? So if I go to bed at like, you know, four in the morning and get up at noon every day, am I going to bed at a time when, for instance, my cortisol is lowest just because it's 4 a.m.? Or does that change when my hours change? I'll, I'll try to, that's kind of a more complicated process. But in general, the, the what you just mentioned, these are um, other hormones or chemicals that are also secreted based on a 24-hour rhythm. And they are synchronous to a lot of different um, 24-hour rhythms in our body. For example, melatonin, which is known as the sleep hormone, um, body temperature, um, and of course, the sleep-wake cycle. Normally, typically, these um, rhythms are relatively stable, relative, depending on um, some behavioral factors or external factors they can be somewhat altered, and it depends on the hormone or the chemical. I can tell you that, for example, melatonin, which is a sleep hormone, can be very much affected by the amount of bright light we get or our uh, behavior or exercise patterns and uh, even eating patterns. Uh, so it may shift the secretion of melatonin, not by a lot, move it a little bit, but it's not going to move it because those rhythms, are, or at least the melatonin, are relatively um, hardwired. But uh, 
I'll give you just one exception. If I were to fly today from uh, Israel to the United States and uh, had to, of course, adjust to a seven-hour or less jet lag, over that week, my melatonin secretion will adjust to the local time zone in New York. That That is because I will be exposed to the light-dark cycle at different times, obviously, in Israel. And as a result, my melatonin secretion will move to fit the light-dark cycle in New York. It takes time, but it's definitely possible. Uh, but if you're in the same location and not getting too much external influences. It won't move very much. It might move a little. Okay, very good. Well, let's get into uh, days. You know, sorry for the long preamble on sleep, but uh, I figured no, since you know, I got to ask you. Um, tell me yeah, about the absolutely. premise of days. Yeah, what's the what's the purpose of the company? What's what are you guys working on? Okay, so first of all, uh, days is a mobile app. It provides personalized sleep training programs, which is based on big data analysis. The idea for days is that we can track sleep from multiple sources, whether they be uh, more objective sources from, for example, wearable devices to um, subjective sources. So we ask our user how they're sleeping and when they're sleeping to other forms of tracking like mobile use. We can get a very good sense based on the sleep information and questions about their sleep on a range of sleep problems or disorders that people deal with. Um, and I'll explain why we even started um, this plant, this um, company or, or, or this project. Um, sleep disorders is a really widespread phenomenon. Uh, and include with that also the presence of what we call insufficient sleep syndrome, as I said, a large proportion of the modern world. And unfortunately, there is a lack of assessment and a lack of treatment of sleep disorders for various reasons, um, including lack of people who people professionals who specialize in sleep, who can do assessment, high cost of going, trying to get an assessment, um, and often time and effort and burden on the patient or on the person to try and find the right treatment and, of course, investing in that treatment. And I'm not just talking about a financial investment, but time and resources. So the concept was that we were trying to figure out, all right, how how can we assess um, for, for these problems in the general public? And can we get a sense of how many people and accurately and um, uh, very well validate our algorithm to try and assess at sleep problems in the general population, which is exactly what we're doing right now in uh, two clinical trials, one here in Israel and one in the United States at a um, very well-known uh, research medical research institution, where we're trying to validate our algorithm of just trying to map out what are the problems and the main problems suffering with from regards to their sleep, and how good are we at detecting those problems from in a long-distance fashion, in a digital fashion. second component of the app is once we're good at that, is to try and fit a specific training program for this new 
cancer and their specific issues. Like you said before, these deep issues can range from people being nice people and having a hard time adjusting to a morning um, schedule. These people can be suffering from sleep apnea and are having a hard time adjusting to what is called a CPAP machine, which some people may have heard of, helps with their breathing at night. Uh, while other people suffer from insomnia and a range of other conditions, that there are very good behavioral means of supporting and helping them get the um, sleep they need. What's an example of a, of a person? You know, what problem, what happened when they used the app, and what kind of solution was recommended, and what did they do, and then what happened? Can you take me on an sure. example case of the past? Right. So. Maybe I'll try and give an example of a person that is suffering from insomnia. There are several well-known um, uh, techniques to help people that suffer from insomnia. Insomnia is about, it's basically the inability to initiate sleep or maintain sleep uh, for duration of a night. So they may suffer from things like taking an hour or two hours to fall asleep. They may wake up in the middle of the night and then spend an extended period of time alert and awake and often um, very tense about their, or at times fearful of their inability to fall back asleep. And there have been um, very good studies, very good research into a technique called, or therapy called, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which in essence provides people with changes in their behavior and their lifestyle, which has been found to be effective in helping insomniacs fall asleep faster and keep uh, uh, consecutive and high quality. What we've done is we've taken that treatment and digitized it. And we're able to give people those same skills, those highly validated, well-evidenced skills via the mobile app. The, uh, and I, I, I'm a clinical psychologist. My private clinic, that's what I do. People come and see me and I provide treatment for people suffering from insomnia. And the added benefit I find of the digital program is people can, you know, they they come and see me once a week and they track their sleep at home during this time. But often they suffer from significant difficulties during the week that I cannot address. And they wait a whole week until I can talk with them again. The digital program or the digital app, I can track their sleep from afar every night. I can see what their problem is. I can see what their difficulties are. I can see when they're trying too hard or when they're not capable or when they're making quote unquote mistakes with the training program. For example, one of the training techniques is called um, take your time in bed, where I tell people to spend a little bit less time in bed that night. And often that's a very hard task. The digital program allows them to track and help them with their difficulties, motivational issues, leading tasks. In essence, we guide them through the program and monitor their sleep for the duration of that time. And that's just one benefit that the digital treatment has over the additional benefit. So what what are some I mean, do you have any like specific examples of what do people do? They don't even know that it's it's negatively affecting their sleep. You know, like you said, uh, how do you know they're trying too hard? How do you know that they're having problems? You know, how do you diagnose what's going on with their sleep? What are what are some examples you've seen and fixed? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you. First of all, we give we give a very thorough uh, assessment, so we can. 
tell what their sleep problems are. In addition, the information that every day the app tracks their sleepability. Some of the things that we can tell is when they're lying in bed for an extended period of time and unable to fall asleep. That's what I kind of call trying too hard to fall asleep. You know, when you're sitting there an hour, two, two hours, really trying to fall asleep and are unable to do that, it can be very frustrating and um, kind of uh, hard to explain maybe sometimes for people who don't have sleep problems. But, you know, when you, when you don't have a sleep problem, you go to bed, you shut your eyes, usually relatively fast, you fall asleep. But people with insomnia will lie there for hours trying really, really hard to fall asleep. But it's kind of interesting because normally people don't need um, help falling asleep. It's a natural phenomenon. And what actually makes us in the end fall asleep is our brain that actually those sensors in the brain that regulate sleep turn on and turn off wake. In a very, I'm saying this in a very simplistic manner. But insomnia try really hard to fall asleep. They stay there and they try to meditate. Some of them take sleeping pills. Some of them spend so much time in bed just trying to get to that point. And the more they try, often the more sleep eludes them. So we teach them different techniques rather than lying in bed and trying to fall asleep, often to get out, to um, release that state, to do relaxation exercise, to go to bed late at night, and what to do when you can't fall asleep. These techniques together, whether they be the behavioral technique or the relaxation, and at times, even um, education and information about how to deal with fear and scary thoughts at night about not being able to fall asleep, all of those elements together help people fall asleep. And we provide the elements based on this kind of individual algorithm. So a person who doesn't have any concerns or fears about not falling asleep may not get those modules that require him to think or her to think about their sleep issues. Whereas other people who have those will get those tasks of trying to work out their fears around. So, okay. All right. So um, how do people find days? How do they interact with it? And what's, again, what are some other paths, you know, some other problems and particular experiences that people could have with days that you've observed? Again, first of all, as far as getting uh, the app, they can pretty much download it um, from the uh, mobile app stores on the different um, phones. Uh, once you download it, just open up. It asks you some basic, um, you know, demographic information. And, of course, uh, you go into our sleep assessment and answer our um, algorithm, our algorithm questions to try and uh, identify uh, the sleep problem. Um, really very uh, user-friendly, and, and usually you can get through the assessment within a few minutes. Immediately, the training program begins, and the, of course, the tracking also begins. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot your uh, second question. Yeah, no, that's how they get days. But um, what are some typical ways that you see people interact with it? Do you um, you set your phone by your bed and you sleep for three nights and it records data? Like, how do people literally use it? Right. So it depends. If you have a wearable device, you can connect it to the uh, app, and the app will start tracking. Uh, your data in, uh, from the wearable device. In addition, every morning uh, you will get a few questions about your sleep, as well as information we um, collect passively via the phone. Together, we can, with all, all this information together, helps us estimate 
uh, when you went to bed, how long it took you to fall asleep, how well how, the quality of your sleep, how much you slept that night. And uh, we can track, after tracking you for about three days, we have some smart um, insights into your sleep. Uh, and we start recommending, even before that, but almost uh, after three days, it's a little more personalized. Uh, we start recommending different modules and tasks that we think would be helpful to you. For example, if we notice, obviously this is based on information we provide, that you're drinking too much coffee, and this coffee may be affecting your sleep, we have tasks to help you to reach your empty. Or uh, if we notice that you're a nice person and, you're, um, and you would like to get up earlier, you're not getting enough bright light or sunlight in the morning, sleep helps in uh, realigning or helping move your rhythm to a slightly more morning type rhythm, then we will give you tasks to help you get more bright light in the morning to help you advance your rhythm. Um, it varies by every person and their issues. If we feel or if we notice, again, based on passive mobile behavior or based on um, your, your information that you give us that uh, you're spending a lot of time with gadgets at night. As you know, gadgets, uh, they, most of these uh, smartphones and laptops and gadgets have LED screens which expose us to quite a bit of blue light or short wavelength light uh, that greatly affects our ability to fall asleep. We will help you um, organize your sleep environment and your gadget use so that it has less um, influence, negative influence on your so we monitor your behavior and promoting behavior and behavior that may uh, negatively affect your sleep and make recommendations, make recommendations based on that. How often do you get people that say, oh, well, you know, it's common sense, get enough sleep, et cetera, and I'll be fine, versus uh, the actual advice given from the app? Um, is it, do you find that it's very powerful or do you find that it is truly common sense, but, you know, well-heated? Sometimes it's common sense. I think for people, it's, it's common sense uh, at times, especially in what we call sleep hygiene. But, you know, there's a difference between common sense and understanding or being, realizing that you need, you need to make lifestyle changes and actually making those lifestyle changes and more, most importantly, maintaining. Uh, you know, maybe I can give a, an analogy. A lot of people know they should be losing weight or they feel that if they lose weight, they will be healthier. But between that understanding and the ability to change our diet and eat a more healthy uh, diet are two very different things. The, the benefit of the app is to guide you or you motivate you in the sleep-related lifestyle change. Some of them are common sense, but not all the many people don't know when they should be exposing themselves to light. Many people don't know the effects of alcohol on their sleep and how much or how little they should be thinking uh, in relation to when they go to sleep. Um, often people don't know when they're um, not getting enough sleep uh, or don't know the means of extending their time in bed and being able to regularly get more sleep. It's, I think the change, the need for change, most of us are aware of, the ability to make the change and persist is much harder. Well, very good. So. Um What's the best way for people to uh, to get in touch and to get the app and to start using it? Uh, the apps currently are in um, pretty much all the mobile app stores, depending on um, your phone. 
definitely go ahead. You can download it and get and start answering uh, the sleep assessment and get going. Okay, very good. And uh, last question: what's um what's in store for days over the next year? What's uh, your roadmap look like? We are developing uh, at this time the different treatment components of the app. So there's a range of sleep conditions out there, and we are working diligently uh, at providing the specific treatment program for each condition. Uh, so, for example, some of the things that we have now or working on now are the insomnia conditions, the sleep apnea conditions, or snoring. Uh, we're working very hard on our delayed sleep phase that you mentioned before, that's the night owl. Uh, and uh, we are constantly progressing and providing more tasks and modules that are specific specific conditions or disorders. Uh, in addition, we're always working on, again, collecting as much uh, data as we can. The more we understand about sleep, behavior, daytime performance, work productivity, uh, the more we can provide smart insights to our humans. So we are collecting information and analyzing it very diligently to try to get um, smart insights that we can, in the end, um, develop into the app program. Well, very good. Well, Miriam, thanks for coming, and I appreciate your time on the podcast. Thank you. It's been lovely seeing you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.